0: Right, as you will all know, just a stone's throw from the rear of this building is a building called Duke's Barn Court. Or at least there was, because they pulled it down. But they're rebuilding it now, and a big notice there says, Construction site, danger, keep out. Now some of you will know that one of my favourite quotes applies this idea to a church, to people like us. I got it from a reader's letter to a newspaper many years ago and I cut it out and kept it and it says church notice boards should not declare all welcome rather they should say keep away dangerous building site god at work human beings under reconstruction strictly no admittance except on business So, are you here this morning because you mean business? If not, it's a dangerous place to be. Now, the risks of the building industry were well known, as well known in Jesus' day as they are in ours. We know from one incident in the Gospel, we know from Luke's Gospel that Jesus mentioned 18 people who'd been killed at a tragedy when a tower collapsed and crushed the people who were underneath it. So Jesus is not giving his listeners in this parable of the two builders, he's not giving his listeners a guidance in building technique, because everyone knew that if you built a house without proper foundations, you were fool. which is just what Jesus said. He said, the foolish man built his house on sand. No, it's a parable a way of com- communicating spiritual truths in an easy-to-understand way. We explain them to children, don't we? Heavenly st- earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. Earthly stories with a heavenly meaning. But that's okay for children. But it's not good enough for grown-ups. You don't crucify people who tell kiddies' stories. Enid Blyton was never in danger of being thrown into jail. J.K. Rowling is not likely to fall foul of the law because of what she's writing. Jesus' teaching was subversive. It was dangerous. It was undermining the status quo. It was disturbing things in a disturbing way. It was revolutionary teaching wrapped up in stories. But to those who had ears to hear, they knew what he was getting at. They knew who he was getting at. If we read the closing verses again of Matthew 7, you might like to open your Bibles at the passage that Sandra read to us. Matthew 7, verses 24 to 27. I think it was on page 971 of the church Bibles. You'll see there that when Jesus had finished saying these sayings, all these are, are collected together in these three chapters of Matthew and what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. When Jesus had finished teaching, they marveled because he spoke with authority. And not, and not who? Not as their teachers of the law. They were the professionals They're the ones who had studied. They're the ones who had graduated from theological college. But he didn't speak like they did. He spoke with an authority. There was an authority not borrowed from wise men who'd spoken in past centuries. But he spoke to them as one who had authority in himself. He says, you have read, but I say to you. And so these... Stories that we teach the children as being nice, easy to understand—the children's stories—are in fact pretty awful when you look at them. Look at verse 14. Where does the broad way lead to? Does it lead you to being late for an appointment? Does it lead you to a bit of inconvenience? Where does the broad way lead you? It leads you to destruction. Destruction means being destroyed. And what happened to the tree bearing bad fruit? Well, it was cut down and thrown into the fire. That's a pretty drastic end for a tree. And what happened to the house built on sand without proper foundations? Did it start to let in the rain? Did it start to develop cracks? No, it fell down with a great crash like we used to sing, didn't we, in Sunday school days, and the house on the sand went crash. They don't sing songs like that anymore, do they? But we used to, but it brings home the meaning because that's what Jesus said. It says, great was the fall of that house. Commentators see in these parables of Jesus a lot more than nice homely tales that we can tell around the fireside. They see them first and foremost as being critiques of the way Jesus' nation was going, the way the nation of Israel was going. He could see that if they continued on their present path, they were building on sand, they were in, on the broad road that led to destruction. Why? Because they were bearing bad fruit, not good fruit, not the fruit of spiritual teaching, but the bad fruit of formalism the bad fruit of law-keeping for the sake of law-keeping. And Jesus, with his prophetic insight, looked at this nation, and he foresaw that terrible cataclysmic event that was to happen just 40 years on, when Jerusalem would be surrounded by the Roman armies, and hundreds of thousands of Jews would be slaughtered by the most vicious army this world has ever seen, The temple would be destroyed, the walls broken down, and great was the fall of the once proud little nation of Israel. Jesus saw that and he says, look, your house. Was he referring to the temple when he talked about a house? Your house is built on sand. It may look beautiful, It may have a lovely situation, but it's built on sand. It hasn't got that rock-solid foundation that we need for our national life. But what about Jesus' message for individuals? Because there were people just like us sitting there listening to him. They hadn't been there at the start. You look at Matthew chapter 5, he gathered his closest followers to him. But then at the end... We read about crowds and you can just imagine it, can't you? There's Jesus sitting on the hillside and the word gets around. Jesus is teaching and crowds come and they, they're entranced by his teaching so they edge closer and closer to hear what he's teaching his followers. And so by the end, we read about the crowds who are amazed. What was his message for these people, for each one of these crowds? Well, I'll never forget something I read many years ago when I first started preaching. The great Methodist preacher, Dr. Sangster, said, every good sermon should leave its hearers knowing what they have to do. I don't know whether I will succeed in that, but Jesus did. Because he was very well aware that people could return home and they would say, oh, we heard this marvelous rabbi from Nazareth today. It's amazing. You should go and hear him. His teaching is wonderful. Jesus didn't want that. He said on another occasion, he said, these people will honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Jesus doesn't just want the praise and adoration of our lips. He's looking at our hearts. And if you look carefully, well, you don't have to look too carefully. It's pretty obvious in these closing paragraphs of matthew chapter 7 there is one little english word that is at the heart of these different illustrations and that's do or as the niv puts it put into practice there were those who would come jesus said and cry lord lord But they wouldn't get in just because they've got the right words to say, just because they know the religious language, just because they brag about what they might have done in their religious service for God. Jesus said, He who will enter the kingdom of heaven is he who does the will of my Father. He who does, he who puts into practice God's teaching. And this is a thing that runs right through the Bible. I nearly had another reading. That would have given you more to do, Sandra. But um, Deuteronomy chapter 30, which is a very parallel passage. The children of Israel are on the verge of entering the promised land. Deuteronomy, the word means a second law. Moses had gone through rehearsing all the teachings of God's law for his new chosen people. And then at the end, he says in Deuteronomy chapter 30, He says, See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction. I declare to you this day that if you're drawn away to bow to other gods and worship them, you will certainly be destroyed. Jesus' theme is the same. The choices in life are not just cosmetic choices, not choices of just preference. At the deepest level, the choices in this life, in our spiritual life, are matters of life and death. I read something yesterday, after I'd finished putting this sermon together, I read something yesterday that I didn't know whether to include or not, but I'll share it now because it seems appropriate. Someone wrote that our spiritual lives are a bit like being in a swimming pool. Can you imagine your spiritual life has been like being in a swimming pool? Where do you prefer to be? Down the shallow end where your feet can be on solid ground? Or do you venture down to the deep end where you have to trust? You have to trust that the water's going to hold you up. Now, I know some of you are expert swimmers and you have no problem with that. Most of us would prefer to be in the shallow end, would prefer to be somewhere where we knew where we stood. The spiritual life is about launching out. trust in God it's about taking steps it's about hearing Jesus teaching and actually doing what he tells us now this can be in big things or it can be in small things I'll share the small one first because it's fairly recent just I think about four weeks ago I was here in a Sunday evening service and pastor Keith was preaching about Ephesians 4 and five, preaching about finding out what pleases God. God spoke to me as I sat there. And I became aware of something that I was doing, a trivial thing. You might laugh if I told you what it was. a trivial thing, but it was dishonest. So I resolved to put that right, even though it cost me a little bit of money. I said, yes, Lord, this is about obeying what you've laid on my heart. And I did it little thing, okay, has God spoken to you about something this week? Is God saying something to you and you say, well, that's nice, I'm glad I can hear God's voice? The important thing is to obey what God is telling you. Is Jesus saying to you that you need to get out of that shallow end where everything around you is secure, where you know what's going to happen, where you can put limits on everything, Are you going to launch out into the deep end? Are you going to trust this God you hear all about on Sunday morning? Are you going to actually believe his words when he says that if you believe in me, you will have everlasting life? You will have that entry into the kingdom of heaven? Are you actually going to believe him when he says, look, what you have to do is to put my teachings into practice and you can escape that judgment that's coming because Jesus is talking about judgment. We don't like talking about judgment. I once led a Bible study and I included as one of my questions, how many of you like listening to sermons about judgment? I think the answer was pretty negative. We don't like hearing it, do we? But if we believe in a holy God if we believe in a god who is absolute purity and absolute truth how can we not believe in a judgment when we look around and see that the world has strayed so far strayed so far from his teaching Okay, those floods and those rains that came and caused the destruction of that house that was built on sand, what are they? Well, The obvious illustration, first of all, is that they are the the ups and downs of life, the setbacks, the tragedies, and yes, that is true at that level. I'm looking round at you now and I'm seeing some who I know have been so helped by your Christian faith. The floods have come and hit you, haven't they? The storms have blown on your life and somehow, somehow you've kept going through that. So thank God for that. I thank God for all those who I've learned from for their perseverance and their fortitude. That is wonderful. But Jesus is also talking about something deeper. He's talking about your eternal salvation. He's talking about being right with God. And he's saying, look, there are storms coming. There is a spiritual death beyond the physical death. And look, the way to be safe from that, the way to experience spiritual health and safety on the building site which is your life, is to put my teachings into practice but it's not all doom and gloom is it in this passage there is the other side listening to jesus teaching and putting it into practice opens up the doorway for life where does that narrow way lead which we are urged to choose rather than the broad way that everyone's going along that leads to destruction. I'm reminded of that verse in the Proverbs that says, there is a way that seems right to people, but the end of that way is death. Don't go along the broad way. Don't do what everyone else does, says Jesus. Choose that narrow way. Why? Because it will lead to a pretty miserable life because it will lead to you being narrow-minded. No, it leads to life. Life. And what was the sort of life Jesus was talking about? He was talking about abundant life. Life in all its fullness, John, John chapter 10 says. Choose the narrow way. It leads to life. Choose to build your life on something that has solid foundations. Put what God is saying into practice. I said I was going to give you a big example of obeying God. Let me tell you about my friend Tony. Friend Tony, some 25 years ago, obeyed the vision that God had laid on his heart. He was a fellow Christian in Surrey, a man of about 40, I suppose. He had this tremendous burden for persecuted Christians in Albania under the evil totalitarian communist regime. And when the... Iron Curtain started to crumble and it became possible to go into Albania. He left his job as a civil servant, went to Albania, signed up for a language course there, learned Albanian, and to cut a long story short, he coped with all the bureaucratic bureaucratic tangle and regulations, and he managed to establish a children's home for abandoned and orphaned children, which is still running to this day, praise God. He actually obeyed what God had said to him. And I don't know whether the choice that's facing you this morning is to obey God over something big in your life or something small like the little recent incident in my life. But God is saying to you this morning, he's saying, look, choose life. Choose to go God's way. Choose to go, even though it may seem to you to be against the tide, choose to go God's way. Choose that narrow way. Choose to bear good fruit. Choose to not just mouth the right evangelical formulas, but to actually put these things into practice in your life. You know, in a few minutes, we're going to take part in the communion service. And this reminds us that ultimately, we cannot earn our salvation just by what we do. But Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. Our keeping Jesus' commandments is evidence to him that we are being real with him. is evidence to him that we do love him. Otherwise, we're just like those people who said, Lord, Lord. Jesus will say, I never knew you. You didn't love me. You didn't really do the will of my Father in heaven. I don't know whether God is speaking to you this morning, but I pray that there are some. I pray that God is speaking to me as I preach these words. And I pray that God will give us the courage to put into practice in my life, in your life, what God is saying to you. It may be difficult. We may have got so accustomed Our consciences may have become so deadened with the way we've been doing things that we need a jolt that says to us, look, what you're doing is not acting in love. What you're doing is not making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. What you're doing is in fact effectively shutting God out of a compartment of your life. And this morning I think God is saying to me and to you that if we do that, like building our house on sand. It's like staying in the shallow end of the swimming pool. We're never going to experience that wonderful surge of the Spirit of God lifting us to heights that we could never imagine. Instead, we're going to choose the ordinary humdrum Broadway that has no complications. I don't know about you, but... I want to experience a daily walk with God that is real. I don't always do that. But I'm trying to. I'm trying to listen when God speaks to me and put it into practice. And I know that many of you are doing that as well. I pray that God will bless you as you do it.